Here's the situation, Rush. Describe a book or film that you believe gave the best impression of what it was trying to convey. Yeah, I can explain that a little bit more when we when we uh, roundabout roundabout back to it. So that uh, sounds good. I'm Rush Howell. I'm TJ Jagodowski. And this is Here's the Situation, a real podcast about hypothetical situations. And this week's theme, TJ, is first impressionist. Yes, first impressionist. So all right. I'm excited to see what you did with that one, Palio. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, this was uh, your idea, and uh, just a couple quick things. First of all, we're still recording in the middle of COVID, and so if the sound quality is a little worse than than it uh, normally is uh, when I'm able to to go to TJ's and record, uh, apologies, but uh, hey, you know, it's COVID. Rush, I hope we're at least in the middle of it. I I fear we're not. Uh, I, I hope we're at least in the middle of it. Yeah, I think that's it's very hard to define. I hear very you. Hard to define. Yeah, we'll take that up at a different time. But <laughs> I, I think we are more than halfway through the point where I, before I can go to your house to record, I'll tell you that. Okay. Although you can always, you can always bar me from entry, so, <laughs> so you right. control, you control whether I'm right or wrong about yeah. that. At least until but, you sit uh, outside the window and I hand a microphone to you through the screen, and you, you know, then you close the window again. But yeah, we we could be right near each other. That's right. That's right. And uh, as always, uh, I've come up with some situations that TJ hasn't heard yet. And you've heard all of mine. That I have. Yeah, that's right. You've told yeah. me all of yours in advance. Uh, it, it's incredible how badly I struggle with, with, with them nonetheless. Um, all right, TJ, uh, here's the situation. Okay. Um, the, the impressionists were scoffed at, and uh, they ultimately. Uh, changed the art world forever, and now are amongst the most revered artists of all time. Monet, Degas, Manet, Cezanne. Um, but originally, uh, they were uh, castigated, uh, mocked, mm-hmm. and uh, it took a long time before um, they were the, their, the work that they did was recognized for what it was doing, and uh, and and ultimately rewarded and beloved. And so uh, the situation for you is I would like you to tell me one trend you got, you understood, you saw early and before everyone else uh, agreed with it and it became popular. Another trend that you hated at first and then later grew to realize you were wrong. And indeed it was something impressive and valuable and great for whatever reason. And finally, um, a third one, which is a trend that um, you didn't get, you still don't get, you don't understand why, and you never will, the popularity of this particular um, thing. would prefer to kind of keep it into the cultural, artistic right. genre, but it doesn't, it need not be, right. if, uh, if it's easier to find ones um, from, from others, because I know I'm asking you to reach in to... Um, the memory banks for some of these things, but uh, those are the three the three categories I'd like you to fill in. Man, it's a good question, and uh, and I think I'm going to have great answers as soon as we stop recording. Um, I know there's something that I felt like I was ahead of, and then the world has come to meet me. I think I was just saying it to Beth the other day. I was like, "Look, I told you this this is how this is how we do this. Uh, this is going to be cool." And then and uh, and then I was proven right. Or maybe I like to think I was proven right yeah. on it. We should probably like create a 
companion podcast called Here's the Supplement, yeah, where we, right. come up, we come up <laughs> with the, the actual uh, good answers that we couldn't come up with. Well, just just during Corona, everyone has come around to my my baking, my baking bread, and all that kind of stuff. Now everyone wants everyone's figuring out how to do how to do all that action. Well, I was I've been I've been on the bread tip for for ages. Um, here's here's one thing I, I can tell you one that I came around to that I never thought I would. I thought like iPods were so stupid when I first heard them. Like it's like why would I need? 3000 songs. I'm only walking for 40 minutes. Like, you know, what, what am I going to do with this? If I listen to music starting now, it would take me three years to listen to all the songs on here. Um, and now if, if I don't have access to, (laughs) to a thousand songs, I feel like I'm really getting robbed on my, on my music library. Yeah, that's, that's a great example. I was a little slow well, maybe not, but I the, definitely the first few times I was like, yeah, whatever. I don't know why you would. I, I currently have this, uh, speaking of Apple products, this a- Apple Watch, which uh-huh. I really like, which I scoffed at for probably two years and was like, stupid thing. Why would you, you don't need it on your watch. And then I'm, now I'm like, oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, let me try and come up with a few things that I haven't come around to, um, like specific phone cases, uh, um, uh, Oh, um, no, uh, <laughs> I mean the vast, I have not come around to the vast majority of things. I have, I, okay. if, if I showed you a picture of me from 30 years ago, I mean, however long you've known me, I pretty much have dressed, looked and behaved much like this. I've worn three okay. button Henleys for the last 30 years. Uh, I wear, I, I guess I came around to slip on shoes. I used to swear I wouldn't, uh, that I thought, you know, you had to be an old man or whatever to to do those. So I did come, I did come around to that. But I have worn simple, uh, solid button downs, three button Henleys, um, uh, zip up hoodies, and uh, and jeans, or uh, you know, or a light summer pant since I've been about twelve years old. Um, so that's yeah. great. You gotta love that though, right? Like it's, it makes the shopping easy. You, I mean, how how many times a year do you? You do clothes shopping. Ooh. Um, well, I just, I just, um, J. Crew's going out of business. So I just bought three pairs of summer pants. They arrived today. And I literally said to Beth, this is great. I have 12 years of pants now. <laughs> and she said, are you freaking joking? I said, I'm going to turn to you in June of 2032 and say, pay up. <laughs> and then. Yeah, she'll buy you three more pairs of pants. <laughs> yeah, right. Take you, take you through twenty fifty two. Um, hey, here's here's the thing I I have never I don't I haven't come around to and don't usually come around to is the is the um I do play some video games I've never come around to the fad game I've never hit Fortnite or um or any of those that seem to like kind of take the world by storm everyone's on it everyone's playing it I haven't come around to to any of those um. I would say you haven't come around to multiplayer online games. No, not at all. Yes, that's true. That's true. You know what I haven't really come around to? Driving. I, I've, hear, I've heard a lot of good things about it, but uh, my preferred mode of transportation is walking. And then if possible, I will take uh, the train and then the bus only in like kind of last chance will I choose to get in the car if there's another way to, to, get, a, to get around on that. Um, gosh darn it! There's something I was an early adopter on. 
I'm I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to come back to it, Rush, because I think okay. if 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 worse comes to worse, I'm gonna go to the top of the stairs and yell down to Beth and ask her what what I was ahead of the curve on. If if there Very is good. yeah, it'll be a short damn list. I can I can tell you that. Um, all right, Rush. Uh, what do I want to start off with? Okay, first uh, first impression is here's the situation, Rush. You're approached by a young man who says he's entered into a Rush Howell impression contest. He says the prize money is pretty good and he'll split it with you if you coach him up a bit. So would you would you tell us, first of all, if you'd be interested? And secondly, what would insider tips be to getting a dead on impression of you if you were trying to help someone to get there? So my first thought is I'm a little embarrassed that I didn't think of one based on impressions when impressionist is right there in the, uh, in the title, but it just, I, I blanked on it. Uh, I have at least two, so don't worry. It will get covered. Good, good. Um, I am not a good impressionist, uh, at all. So I, sure. I'm happy to help this person. I mean, if it's anybody I know or whatever, and they, they're, God knows why they're doing an impression contest of me. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what what it, uh, I think. You know, you got it. Like the best impressions mix maybe like four things together. Like one is uh, speech patterns. So disregard the words, but what is the vocal pattern uh, and the patter? that that person uses. Uh, second thing is, uh, physicality, just picking up one or two small things that that person does that you can then turn into, uh, uh, the, the kind of core physical action for that. Um, third is kind of the things that they talk about. Um, you know, so, so different from the, the style of, of what they're saying, but rather, you know, kind of, uh, what what they tend to to, to focus on, um, I guess those are really the main the main three. I guess that I would focus on if you could pick up like a little small thing from each of those, uh, maybe like some idiosyncratic mannerisms or whatever. But those are maybe already caught up. So, um, do you have a gauge maybe, on what your vocal pattern, how that might be described, or how you would try and describe your vocal pattern to a a young Rush Howell impressionist? Not as much as I should. I think that I'd say like and adverbs a little too much to fill space. <laughs> so you could, you could definitely utilize You know that, that about there. yourself? You know that you overuse? Is that, it's not nothing that I ever would have recognized, but that you, you know you overuse adverbs? Yes. Okay. So... One thing that I'm trying to do right now and that I try to do when arguing in court is remove the vocal pattern that you could otherwise just have a pause. Okay. But in my normal conversation, I don't do that. And so I'll have a lot of um, ums and ahs and things like that. Okay. Uh, I think my pattern of speech, I I probably... uh, I, I bounce around a little bit in speed. 
Uh-huh. And then I also I tend to overemphasize words uh, as I'm gathering the thought to head to the next thing, like I just did with speed, where I said I tend to overemphasize speed. Okay. Uh, like so, something like that, I might pick up uh, pick up something like that to use for me. Um, obviously, you can you can take the subject matter of stuff that I talk about, but I always think that's kind of the weakest part of uh-huh. impression, right? It, if you just do an impression of uh, whatever Rush Howell, where you're just like you know, blah, 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 board games, blah, 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 Federer, you know, it's like, well, that's not really an impression. That's just kind of like making uh, fun of somebody or whatever. Um, Do you have a physically? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, That's, that's where, that's where I was going. Do you know if you have physical, uh, particular physical uh, idiosyncrasies or physical kind of go-tos? So I touched my face a lot, which I've realized during COVID, right? I think a lot of people have probably realized that. (laughs) But I, I definitely touch my face more than I thought that I did. Um, and so I'll like, I'll touch like the top of my nose or, or, or kind of around the temple area uh, a fair amount. Um, so I think, you know, you could maybe do something uh, with that. Uh, otherwise, I don't know too, too well what my, I think I, I think I have like a more expressive, uh, face that I need to when I'm thinking and going through uh, just talking about almost anything, right? Like I think I'm pretty, pretty open book as I'm thinking. And then I, and then, and then the, la- the other thing I'll say is use my hands in talking a lot. Okay. Um, so I think between all that, you could probably have, you could probably figure out your way to, uh, uh, to do a decent uh, way to make fun of me. Yeah, as I was thinking about this, it was like um, I, I think of of everybody. I'm maybe the least aware of the things that I would that are impressionable if there is much, and I don't consider myself, you know, very like easily impersonated. Uh, and, and I think very few people are those those the ones stick out who are like Christopher Walken who has all of these things you're describing like in an intensely um you know m- measured vocal pattern and and you know and and some some physicality stuff but um i think i'm guessing the vast majority of people if if they could be Im- impressed impersonated impersonated then then they would but most people just aren't all that impressionable i guess yeah. Yeah. And then I think, you know, I, I, I bet people are more easily impersonated than you think, but it's, it's rare that there comes like a prevalent desire to do so. Uh-huh. But, but when you look at presidents and things like that, like the, you end up all of them, there ends up being a decent impersonation, but you know, sometimes like impersonation becomes the character, right? Like I talk about this a lot. Like, it was so long ago that I went to college and we have reunions now, you know, that, uh, or not, we don't have reunions now. We have reunions at my college. And so I, I've been back to those many times. And now it's like my college memories are kind of an amalgam of like some college memories blended with a bunch of like reunions type memories. Uh-huh. And it all, and, and sometimes <laughs> my college experience is, you know, is blended together. And in the same way, like if you take like George W. Bush, and you say, what was the most famous impression of him? Well, it was Will Ferrell's. Was Will Ferrell's like a spot on impression? Right. No, not at all. But it created a character just like Dana Carvey did with Bush's father 
that then that starts to get impersonated later. And so people are doing more of an impression of Absolutely. Will Ferrell's George Bush right. than they're even doing of George Bush. But he found something that's interesting that creates like a, a character for it. But yeah, I, I think, uh, there was, there was a guy in college we, we would impersonate and then he started doing the impersonation of him, but then he just became more of the impersonation <laughs> than himself after, a, after a while. That's yeah. terrible. You changed him. You changed him. <laughs> For man. the worse. He like, it's like a guy who saw the caricature drawn of himself and then started dressing more and more like the caricature, like... Yeah, I'm going to make my hat. nose bigger and yeah, right, my hat, wear huge hats and <laughs> walk Bill, everywhere with Bill got, got progressively longer <laughs> right. cuz he kept chasing after the character. And I'm always going to uh, wear nice. skis. Nice. Uh okay, TJ. Um still on first impressionist. Yes. Uh he, here's the situation. Um you are uh, brought in by the Crayola uh company. Please. And they say we've made uh uh, a ton of crayons that we need to, to name colors. Um, but then we also have like, uh, we've come up with names that we want to use for a ton of colors, but Ooh. we need you to tell us what color these things are. I love it. Love it. It's yes. not like the sun, you know, where we know kind of what color the sun is, but these, these are other things. So I just want you to tell me what color each of these things are. Uh, you can give me as much or as little on, on it as to why it'd be interesting on at least a few of them to hear why you think so, but give me uh, this you know, job. Be, give me this job, rush. There could be like eight or 10 of these. Things I love it. it. Okay. Hit me, baby. What color is heartburn? Heartburn. Yeah. Bright orange, man. I, I, I like kind of like, uh, kind of like body lava, you know? Mm, yes. Okay. Okay. Um, what color is victory? Victory. Sweet brother. Metallic. It's, uh, it's like a, uh, a, a silver with a tinge of gold, but it's victory oh. is, is, uh, is a metallic, metallic you. So I, I wrote down what I thought you would say, which we'll come back to uh, at the end, but so far I am over two. Okay. Well, there's a lot of colors, uh, buddy. It's like, you know, it's a lot of colors to guess from. Oh, it's going to be, it's basically impossible. If I hit one of them, I'm going to be super Without a doubt. It's like, um, okay, uh, defeat. Defeat. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a deep, uh, like a purple. It's like a bruised, the center, the, the purple at this, like the, you know, sometimes you get a really, really nasty bruise. The center's actually kind of like um, still sort of fleshy colored. And then the that ring develops around it. And there's that like kind yeah. of galactic green. And then that purple, the the that it's that purple is the is the color of defeat. Very good. Uh, what color is boredom? Boredom. Who? I, you know what? I, I was going to go with a shade of gray, but the first thing I thought of was brown, maybe because there's some of the same letters. Uh, but boredom is uh, a slightly deeper shade of tan. Um, it's 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 uh, how like beige is as you know, as boring as you kind of you can think of. Like it's a, it's it's a little just a little bit browner than beige. Uh, what color did right, you have what? boredom, by the way? What's that? What color did you have boredom? 
Uh, I had brown slash tan. Oh, there we go, baby. Yeah. How about and it? An, an exact hit. That's uh, <laughs> uh, that was the first one we hit on. That's right, um, team. That's right, player. Right, team, dude. That's you know, that's like yeah. first round of like this this guy to this team. That's not easy. We were close on defeat. I had I had like a, a deep blue. Okay. And, and if I had thought about it harder, uh, maybe even kind of purplish blue. But I didn't say purple, so I can't I can't score that one for me. Um, fantasy literature. What what color is the concept of fantasy literature? Yeah, it's um, like a uh, it's a it's a, a silver a silver white um, like the. It, it, it's it's a color that tries to mimic glitter when glitter catches the light source. Oh, cool! So, but like the silver glitter, not the gold. Yes, specs. right, right. Uh, what's the color of sports? Hmm. Uh, turf green, green. Uh, natural grass, natural grass green. Um, the color of mistakes. Wow, good one. Uh, I think I'm going to do this because I don't like mistakes like most people don't, and I don't necessarily like this color much. It's uh, it's a pretty a pretty poppy yellow. Ha! Nice. Yeah? You there? Uh, I'm right there. Ugly neon yellow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> we are right there on That mistakes. would, by the way... Uh, I realized in listening to the podcast would be a key. I just, I'm just thinking this, that um, for a young impressionist who's trying to do a TJ Jagodowski thing, I repeat phrases quite often. Uh, like, like just then said like, that's great. That's great. That would be a real, a real thing for a, a young, a young Jagodowski impressionist to, to, you, to, to you do that. Some, not a ton. Bill Arnett does that a lot. Does Bill he? Arnett, if, if I was doing the Bill Arnett impression, he he loves to do like good times, good times, good times. You know, say, how, how you doing, Bill? Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. We, you, you know, you know, there. we have to have Billy on for the next time we if if our if our anniversary pattern holds, we have all oh. all just already rocketed Mister Arnett to the top of the the second anniversary list. That's right. Hopefully, this one comes out after the anniversary. I assume it does. Gotcha. It does. Got to. Got to. Got there to. You go, Bill Arnett. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, common sense. What color is common sense? Oh, nice question. Common sense. It's pretty much down the middle, but not everybody has it. Common sense. It's a it's a pleasant shade. It's a little darker than baby blue. Ooh, lighter than lighter than royal, but darker than darker than baby. I I didn't get there, but I like it. Uh, what color is patience? Patience. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a uh, a cream. No way. Yeah, you didn't say cream. I wrote cream sickle. No, is that what I is, did. is that orange or? It, it's that cream orange. Gotcha. I don't I don't know why on earth I thought of that, but I, that's what I wrote. Wow. I, I love that. I love that color. Um. Like on white, I don't know why. I, I just for patience. I don't know why. I don't either. I think I think I thought of maybe like knitting or 
something homespun that took a while. Um, then I thought of like churning churning milk into butter, but I didn't want to go to to yellow. But cream sounded cream sounded right. It sounded sounds like patience. Yeah, and I, we have two different colors, but it's funny that we both have the cream. Cream, name. yeah, just odd. Uh, and finally, what what is what's the color of dreams? Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna go pretty much little girl wall poster color, and it's like a lavender, um, lilac nice. lavender kind of uh, soft purple. I like it. I what like did you it. have for um, that? What did you have for dreams? So I was I was guessing what you would say, right? Okay, and um. I wrote like kaleidoscope mix. Okay. Which I know gotcha. it's not even right. really necessarily fair. That's what I wrote. The only ones I got right for you were, um, and I get, you know, honestly, like most of them where I was, I, I probably would have said what I, what I said you were going to say, like, <laughs> but, but maybe on a few of them, like, like I thought for sure you would say green of some sort for sports yeah. because of like Celtics, you know, and, um, and, and the green monster and everything it just feels like if somebody from Boston is going to say green of some sort. So, uh, so I got that one and I got, um, uh, I got, uh, boredom and then I missed that on, on fantasy literature. I said like a magenta. Oh yeah. Purple. That's a good like color. I always think of like, they're always mm-hmm. wearing like, like fancy robes and stuff. Yeah. Uh, um, and then on, uh, on common sense, that one was like super hard, uh, for me. What did you say? It was a blue like a, above baby blue. Yeah, darker than baby and a, and lighter than royal. I, I like that choice a lot. Uh, I I said it would just be like black and white. Okay, like common sense would just be right down the middle, like your your two key color and lack of color. Uh, all right, that's yeah, good stuff. All right, here's uh here's here's this goes to impression impressionists again, um, but as a vocal impressionists, Rush. I would like you to rank these subsets of comedy in order from deserving of most respect to least. Um, that doesn't necessarily have to be how you reveal them to me, but these are subsets of comedy that sometimes aren't thought of as the worthy of the most most respect. Um, so, um, also, I'd like you to basically judge them as um, maybe like in their best form. And not necessarily maybe as the most common practiced. So at their best, which one of these is worthy oh. of the most respect? Cool. Okay. So so just to clarify, if if there's one that I think is really high de- degree of difficulty, nine times out of ten it'll fail. But when it works, it's sublime. I rank it based on the sublime. I th- uh, yeah. High end. Or if you think of the practitioners of it as you know as you go as you go about maybe ranking them, think of the those who practice it at its best. If, okay. if if that's if Love that it. makes sense. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You might have to write them down. Ready, buddy? I am ready. Slapstick. Okay. Song parody. Okay. Uh, impressions. Okay. Sunday comics. Okay. Prop comedy. Right on. Uh, musical comedy, like like stand up with you know guitars, kind of kind of type. Got it. Blue. Okay. And ventriloquism. 
And for for anyone, I think most people would, but if anyone doesn't, blue blue comedy is just kind of like you know super dirty or you know dirty. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I'm sure there's a couple. I'm working uh, my way through here. Yeah. No Um, problem. Okay. Are the top and the are the top and the bottom easy, or is it kind of uh, thinkers all the way all the way through, or is the top easy and bottom tough? Or it's pretty tough. It's pretty. Some of the bottom ones. Uh, weren't all that difficult, um, but uh, yeah, it's not it's not easy for me. I'm almost done. Um, oh yeah, it, it's just kind of it, it's also kind of odd, you know that that there are or maybe not, but that there are aspects of the comedy world that you're like, Ugh, that's you know how like when when stand ups talk about oh what do you do thirteen minutes of crowd work that's the easiest. You know, uh, what's your name, where you're from and making fun of making fun of that, that there's that there's always going to be aspects of it that don't hold as much cash cachet. If, if but it but if the goal is to get someone to laugh, then just it seems like just about any route there should be should be valid. But these right. these seem to be ones that aren't thought of as highly as other aspects of the the comedy world. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So, so I was, I kept waiting for one that'd be like, oh, I love that, you know, but uh-huh. you know, all of them, it was a good, it was a good menu. So here we go. I'm going to go from, uh, worst to first. Okay, buddy. Uh, in the eight hole, um, and, and I, I fully accept the fact that this is probably an idiosyncratic position, but I, I came to this realization maybe a decade, maybe 15 years ago, um, because when I was when I was young, I had a bunch of Garfield books. Uh huh. Yeah. I I really enjoyed those Garfield books, and I did a stretch in the early two thousands where I read like, I don't know. We got the newspaper delivered, and I read those Sunday comics, and I I I never even got like a hint of a smile. Yep. From these things, I just thought they were brutal yep and uh, you know the three panel i mean god bless these people that are trying you know because it's if 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 i'm allowed if i if i'm allowed to make this caveat which is maybe cheating and i'm going to take far side out because i think far side to me is not is its own category and i do think far side was phenomenal and yep. i i bet if i went back i would still enjoy reading far side books but i i i couldn't i couldn't enjoy the stunt Sunday comics any less than I do. So I have that number eight. See, now, and the only argument I may make against it is that at its best in the Sunday comics, I also found Calvin and Hobbes and Bloom County, which I thought were, were top notch. But like you, uh, in a lifetime of trying to read Hagar and Beetle Bailey and Blondie and, uh, you know, uh, what was it? BC and, uh, you know, uh, all the other ones, I just didn't, didn't Candy. get it. The Lockhorns, good God! Oh, it was God. Just, that oh. and Andy Cap were just a recipe for like domestic violence. The, 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 yeah, they were just awful, horrible. Yeah, horrible. Now, I so I never got into Calvin and Hobbes. Everybody says it was the greatest. So, uh, you know, I, I missed the window on that. I might that might change my opinion. Doonesbury uh, was too advanced for me when I was 
reading the comics as a kid and I just could never get past that. could it, never get over it. Exactly the same. Like Bloom County. I had a bunch of Bloom County books, but even that I went and reread one of my Bloom County books a while ago. And I was like, I don't, I don't know why there. I liked this as much gotcha. when I was a kid. All right. Um, the far side, you know, so I, I was a little hesitant cause I'm like, there are going to be a bunch of these other ones where I, I'm not going to be able to give you a specific example that's stronger than the far side. But for me, anyway, I mean, a lot of people hate the I far side, I'm sure. But I had the calendar, the far side calendar for yep. several years. Same here. Um, number seven to me is ventriloquism. Okay. Um, I think that it is impressive uh, when when well done. And it's, it's certainly like... Uh, a skill that I'll never have, and I have to respect that it's that it's done. But I'm just not sure that it blends, you know, that well with with comedy. And then, like, you've got prop comedy and ventriloquism. To me, ventriloquism is is just a set of of prop comedy. And I think I'd rather see somebody with more variety to it. Yeah. But when I think ventriloquism, I think of like uh, fast forwarding through America's Got Talent or whatever. I just that's not something I'm interested in. I, I also think ventriloquism dummies are are scary. Yeah, I, find I, that's, I never liked them. Yeah, uh, I, I, it was just like a little off-putting. Um, I did enjoy Arrested Development when they when they made uh-huh. fun of uh, the ventriloquism dummies and so forth. They're illusions, um, Michael. The the next one that I put um, was was just straight blue comedy. Okay, um, I don't have a problem with. A, com- a comedian going blue. Uh, I think um, Betty Murphy stuff from the from the eighties is was some of my favorite. You know, I, I I I don't know when the last time I watched Delirious or Raw was, but I loved them when I was a kid. Maybe part of it was the shock value, but I don't think mm-hmm. so. I think it was well crafted stuff, and it went blue, and that's fine. You know, you go um, find yourself some, my- some old Red Fox. Woo! Red Fox oh, was yeah. dirty, dirty, and it was a blast. But yeah, Mr. Fox was like, uh, and with those old party records, Rudy Ray Moore. You ever hear about the Rudy Ray Moore uh, records and no. stuff? Yeah, it's it's all it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty pretty dicey fun. <laughs> but so I don't have a problem with it. But I, I don't think I would ever seek it out like on its own. And I think if anybody like you know the aristocrats or like uh-huh. Bob Saget stuff, like right. uh, you know that that doesn't really do it for me. Um, and so when th- that, that little subgenre of comedy, that's like the shock comedy, they're like, we're going to go deeper and we're going to soliciting any response, like a, a gasp or a groan is the same as a laugh. Right. Cause all we're trying to do is trigger an emotional response in the audience. Disagree with that as a concept. Disagree with, uh, you know, th- that's just not my thing. Yep. Um, I, I would rather, I'd probably, if you said you want to see this ventriloquist show or, this famous blue comedian. I guess I'd go to the blue comedian. I think I would too. Yeah. Uh, not excited about it. Um, the next one that I had number five is one that I, again, I, 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 I have, cause I've, I've tried to do it. It's not that easy. Um, and that's the song parody. Okay. But I don't, I just, you know, I'm not like, I, I don't know. I mean, I almost ranked it. That, that was that was a hard one for me because I was like, look, there, it begins and ends with Weird Al Yankovic yep. when you talk about who's the best. And do I think Weird Al Yankovic is better than um, 
some of the stuff that I'm going to have higher. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I guess I do. So maybe, maybe it should be higher, but, but what kept it down for me was I was like, I don't know. I mean, in the same way that like, I have to rank prop comedy ahead of ventriloquism because ventriloquism is like a weird subset of it. I, or not weird, but just, it's a subset of it. Um, the, same, so too, like musical comedy for me has to be better than song parody because musical comedy would encapsulate <laughs> song parody plus uh, a wide variety of other stuff. So, by the way, uh, Rush, Weird Al is the thing that I was on that everyone that I was on before everyone, and then everyone else has gotten on it. I was I've been with Weird Al since about 1982. Doctor Demento um, and the Funny Five on Sunday nights, and the rest of the world has caught up. So now they like he's a grand old man of the game. Weird Al is cool and uh, and 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 worthy of, of worthy of being liked. I, I was on Weird Al from from Jump Street. I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, so you know, um, again, we as I hit the other ones, I, I almost wrote that one down for number two song parody, and then I ended up writing it down for yep. number five. Um, number four impressions okay um i have enjoyed a lot of uh comedic sets over the course of my life where somebody was doing a bunch of impressions Mm -hmm. and i will sometimes get down a youtube rabbit hole where i watch but like if you if you give me like a bill Hader doing al pacino the first time i saw that i mean i was i mean i laughed my ass off at it and so um there's something like cringy a little bit for me on most impressions. Um, but sometimes I like them. So that's where I got it. There. It, it still, ah. it still kind of intrigues me that it's a thing like that. Impressions are a thing that people are like, Oh my God, that guy sounds like a guy. He's not, you know, that, yeah. that that's like something that people like. It, it's, it's almost like it's a, like a, you know, a visual, uh, you know, uh, with a, like optical illusions, but for sound. You know, it's it's like it's like it's that, and that 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 it tickles people is still kind of wild to me. You know, like yeah. that it's a thing. I can't disagree with that. <laughs> uh, nor, nor can I explain. I mean, there's nothing more awkward than the the talk show where they're like, so it, huh. where they have to figure out a way to right. get into somebody getting to do impressions. Is it okay if I them? ask Denzel a question? <laughs> Right. You know, like now, is it okay if I ask Mr. De Niro a question? But it, yeah. but it's weird that like, because sometimes, sometimes like Bill Hader will have a joke with you know in the voice with the impression. Sometimes it's just people saying things that the person they're impersonating said, and then people laugh at it. It's it's weird just that mimicry. that's the re- yeah that that's the reaction. You know, like because it could it could basically be a parrot sounding like its owner and you know and people laughing at that it's it's such a weird subset it's 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 intriguing to me that it ever became a thing it is it is but it's it's impressive to me to watch somebody like a jay farrow who Mm -hmm. does the the voice perfect and they'll have mannerisms and you're like i mean this guy is inhabiting yeah i mean you know that's what like i just was speaking of youtube rabbit hole today i i i went uh, and, and for whatever reason was like, I got to watch that Ian McKellen extras thing where he comes in and talks about, uh, why he's a good actor and he's pretending, I mean, uh, Ian McKellen extras, that's a good scene. But, uh, uh, anyway, uh, I'll move on. I'll move on. 
Um, number three, I had prop comedy. Okay. Um, and I had scratched it off. I had it a little lower, moved it up a bit. Um, I really don't know because I can't point you to because prop comedy of all of these probably has the most maybe ventriloquism um, negative connotation, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, it's almost always pejorative to be like, oh my God, prop yeah. comic, you know? Where the but, name Carrot Top becomes a punchline in itself or yeah. whatever, yeah. But here, here's the thing, DJ. I'm just going to say this. This is what made me think of it in my, in my head. So when I watch comedy on YouTube or Netflix or whatever, um, my number one most watched would be you know, John Mulaney mm-hmm. is my favorite current comic. My number two most watched would be a bunch of old comics like Prior, uh, Carlin, Carlin, not as much, but, um, good mix of just, you know, I might go back and watch, watch old stuff. Norm MacDonald. Okay. Would be a big yep. one from, from, from way back when, uh, but Richard Pryor a lot too. And, uh, and then my third most watched thing for that where people are doing comedy is like magic. Okay. Where people are the amazing doing magic Jonathan. Shows. I was thinking of putting like because there's the amazing Jonathan who's kind of prop comic but also magic comic or you know like but I was gonna put down magic comedy but I couldn't think of enough practitioners of it to to have it be like it's you know enough books on it for it to have its shelf in the library or, or not. But I hear you. Right. But I feel like most. Uh, First of all, I enjoy going to magic shows. Go to the Chicago Magic Lounge if you've never been. Mm-hmm. Eddie Furman's uh, uh, yep. place up there. But uh, I, I enjoy, I love the Magic Castle in L.A. I just enjoy going to that stuff. And those folks are funny. Uh, most, you know, a lot of the magicians are, are legitimately funny. Like and, uh, Penn and Teller, right, would be practitioners of this, would you say? Or? Yes. Yeah. But for me, the Penn and Teller, the amazing Jonathan, that's not the style I like. Um, I, I like more the sarcastic, uh, you know, just kind of, I don't know, uh, good jokes, like at their own expense at the, at the volunteers expense and less, um, uh, it's just like the, a, a way of, I don't know, do, doing all of the, the comedy. The other guy I watch a lot is some like Andy Daly stuff, by the way. But, um, anyway, anyway so that's where I have a three. Uh, I put musical comedy too. Oh, okay. I just think that's a, a broad genre. It's not one I particularly enjoy, but I mean, you want to talk about if you hit the highs of that, there's just some incredible. Uh, is that Flight of the Concords, or is that uh, that is yeah. there anyone that comes to mind that's right at the that's the tip top for you? Yeah, I mean, maybe like them, Tenacious D, right? Like, um, right. But also just, I, I don't know. I mean, like almost any like great or a lot of great musicals have, have like big time comedic sequences. And, um, so maybe I'm like not thinking in the right way. Cause it's like, no, no rush. These have to be very specific. Mm, uh, no, I was just wondering, acts, I was just but, wondering who you had at the top of the mountain. Just, I mean, Steve Martin used to do a lot of, a lot of, uh, parts that were musical and comedic. Yep. Yeah. Like Bo Burnham does a lot, you know, um, but I also, I mean, you know, I think of things like from our own experience of like, there's a lot of good, you know, some some of the great, some of the best improv shows that I saw, even though on the whole, I would say, if you said musical improv, I'd say I'd rather watch, you know, non-musical improv. Give me ventriloquism. But, yeah, yeah. Give me blue improv. <laughs> 
but I, but I've I've just seen like some transcendent shows where like you know adding adding music and song to all this stuff. I mean, uh, so I was in this group called Thirty Thirty Three, and uh, we had uh, a dear friend of ours uh, who, who we lost way too soon, and Jason Chen, who was doing a a show. We we started. We were supposed to do a six week run. We did like ten years, and we we were. We, we were on and Jason was there with, with some, with somebody doing a two person show. And, you know, just cause Jason Chen was such a nice guy. Um, he was like, Hey, you know, I'll do your lights for you. Uh, and so an improv, like, you know, one of the many, like, you know, fucking JV aspects of improv <laughs> is like, you need somebody there to pull your lights. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause you don't know when the show's over. So then somebody's got to, you know, actually hit the, the off switch on the lights and, and usually pull- usually that's all that is is someone yes. turns the lights off at the end and that's exactly. all exactly yeah so exactly. when they say so do they, your they lights there. they're really saying turn the lights off at the end but jason did more than that for you guys yeah <laughs> well right because most people that do it sit there for 45 minutes they don't even pay attention for the first 30 and then they swing back in and like find a spot where there's a laugh and they cut the cut the lights off but with jason like uh, after a show or two started integrating uh, music um, of all, of all styles, but it was, it was different. We didn't ask him to do it, um, but he, but he did it and it, and the show was, was way better for it. And then it ended up being like a pretty important part of many of the shows that we did is that we had, um, you know, we just, just music piped in at different parts along the way. And I, I, I've always thought that that was, um, you know, we, we were really at the time, uh, like a six person group, you know, we had the five of us mm-hmm. and then, and then, uh, later, later we had both Peter and, and Brian. So we had se- you know, seven, because if it's at that point we were an eight if, person group. Because- if it's the right moment, the theme from ET adds a lot to what's going on on stage, you know, like the, the, yeah. the right thing you can really, really elevate. It gives another dimension. I mean, there were many times where we're just sitting in chairs in the first two, three seconds thinking about what's going to happen. And then Jason just, you know, firebombs a song in there (laughs) that sets a mood. And so, yeah, I mean, at times that might be frustrating because it's like, Oh, wait a second. We were going to try to get some, and, and he's, he's, but he's making the initiation with, with the music. And anyway, uh, I, I thought that that was really, um, you know, that, that came to mind as I was just thinking about it. I was like, you know, one of the best, uh, like you, I mean, without a soundtrack, no comedy's going, you know, all that far. And um, at the top, you have the Stooges and the like, and uh, Buster Keaton and uh, uh, and the yeah. like with Slapstick number one. Yeah, Slapstick. I mean, I not not close. And I'm not I'm not a big. That's not my favorite genre, Slapstick or whatever. But of all of these, Slapstick was the one where I was like, oh my god. I mean, I can think of like twelve things that are. Eight, uh, there's 12 weird owls. There's 12 uh-huh. bar sides. You know, you've got your, you've got your Peter Sellers. You, you've got your uh, Charlie Chaplin. You got your Three Stooges. You got uh, Airplane, the movie. You got Home uh, Alone. Farley. Ho- Home Alone and and Money Pit. Uh... Home Alone. Oh my God. Home Alone, man. Like that movie. That movie sucks. Except it's got like 30 minutes of amazing physical comedy stuff that's going through, and so it, it's. I mean, uh, there, there, there are some slapstick moments um, uh, that, that I'll just 
you know, you know, that stand out among my very favorite uh, comedic moments ever. So, um, so that's my number one. All right. Nice okay. list. Well thought out. Great one. Love that one. Okay. Um, TJ, still first impressionist. I want you to tell me, here's the situation. All right. Uh, you are brought in to assess whether or not uh, longtime cliches should remain in an official book of cliche and idiom. All right. Because right? it's, t- it's time to time to take some out and leave some in. So I want you to give me on a scale of one to ten how much you agree with the following cliches. Okay. So we're going to judge whether um, it stays in the book by how much I by how by how much I agree with them. Right. Okay. Because if it's just if it's just not true, let's get rid of it. Okay. Like cliches need to mean something. Great. And so, um, so you'll you'll see on the first one why I tie why I thought of it from this thing. But these are these are the cliches. One don't agree. So just, nine totally agree. Yeah. Okay. Ten, well, ten ten would be totally. Okay. Agree. Great. Um, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. Mm, nine. Okay, all right, we're keeping it. Yes, keep it. Uh, Slow and steady wins the race. Four. Mm, Okay, why not? Uh, Sometimes uh, fast, really fast wins wins the race. Uh, We've seen some Preaknesses and some other things where, uh, yeah, sometimes if, if it's a short race, especially... Uh, Usain Bolt would uh, would would tell you going as fast as you can wins the race. Yeah, and I think um, in some aspects of life, right, like you don't have forever. Yeah. To uh, uh, to, to get there, and if you've um, be- sometimes if you be- sometimes it's better to be uh, good and fast. Yeah. You know? Yes, I, I I would agree if it's in there. I would probably give you a nine for. Cut twice, you know, measure twice and cut once, um, and I think that's slow and steady wins wins the race in in its way. But if you have become expert at something, there's also no point in slowing yourself down if you can do it quickly and well. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm with a, I'm a, right in a, right in around the middle. So I'm gonna go with the four. There's an underrated movie called uh, Margin Call that's like i thought maybe the best movie about like the 2007 2008 financial crisis oh okay and uh it all takes place in one night and uh it's got an all-star cast although now you get the weirdness of kevin spacey having a big role Mm. it being one of his you know better later career performances but um uh in margin call jeremy irons plays like the the big shot head of the investment bank who like flies in in the middle of the night to like address the fact that they realize um the this the mortgage-backed securities are going to just blow up and uh crater their their bank and he says um he says look you get ahead in this business in three ways um be smarter be first or cheat and i don't cheat and we've got a lot of smart people in this room but (laughs) there's a lot of smart people elsewhere and so we gotta act now is like is what he's saying and so to me, that that undercuts slow and steady wins the race a little bit as well. Like, it, it, there is a first mover advantage. That's a cliche as well. Okay, uh, practice makes perfect. Huh. Uh, four. Let me ask you a, a situation scenario to, to go off of that. Yeah. Uh, two Im- two improvisers come to take your class. Yep. 
Uh, one of them is um, f- is is naturally uh, funny, but doesn't listen, doesn't have good experiences. Um, another person has led an interesting life, but doesn't seem to have any natural humor to them. If uh, if you have to work with one of those to try to best uh, uh, create a uh, protege, who do you pick? Um, the one without the one without natural humor. Um, I, I think you can find a way for honesty and, and just, in just about any of its forms to get there. Someone who just doesn't want to listen, who thinks that they're, they're going to be the funniest one in the room all the time and, and, uh, you know, fuck everybody else. I, it's I, I, near impossible to get that out of someone's system. So also, also when- like, I think practice might make permanent more than it makes perfect. Because you, if you, if you keep on practicing something incorrectly, you're gonna, you're gonna embed that. Yeah. But it's, it's not, it's not the right way to do it, you know. Um, uh, and right. I've heard perfect practice makes perfect as an adjustment to that. But I, I think it'll, it's more likely it makes it permanent than perfect. Yeah. All right, we might need to take that one out of the book. <laughs> uh, next one we've got is um, two wrongs don't make a right. Um. Do I agree with that? Yeah, I hate to be down the middle. You know what? It's it's good to be around. I I I'm gonna go with an eight. Okay, so we keep that. We keep yeah, that. I I think you can, but it's it's delicate. <laughs> All right. I, I think you, I think you can defy it, but it's but that's that's yeah, that's touchy work. <laughs> yeah, well, I like to say that three lefts make a right. <laughs> yeah. <here>. Um, <laughs> Uh, gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Six. All right. So what's, what gives you pause about that one? Well, like we, I think we had spoken one time and I do agree with this, like make a lot of your mistakes in your twenties or your teens, you know, like that's a good time to really screw some shit up. Uh, it gives you a, a long time to learn from it and, you know, and, and a long time to make up for it. If, if you really, if you really messed it up, but, um, but there are, there is a lot of time later on in life to gather up some real quality rosebuds as, as well. So it, it I wouldn't want, this seems usually, I think more often than not, I think of this as like treasure, treasure your youth while you have it. And there are things to be treasured and things to be savored and enjoyed later on as as well. It, I think it's I think it's maybe a problem with the application of this saying as opposed to the actual meaning of it. If it's saying, you know, at any point in life, make sure you're taking some time to enjoy what's going on. But I think sometimes this feels like it's applied to grab your youth while while you while you can. But, yeah, but mean, maybe I that's just the stop, way I've read it. Stop and smell the roses would probably cover that a little bit more. I think that to me, this one is a little dangerous in the sense that you can get, you can start to feel like nothing. You, you can like fall into like nihilism kind of quickly. If you're like, I must seize the day. I must do everything perfectly uh-huh. all the time. I must take advantage of everything. Cause then you're like, but but what, what do I do? That's really truly like taking advantage of everything. And yeah. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. I, I kind of like I kind of like this one, but I, I think I think it's a, it can be a little dangerous. It's like a Ayn Randian phrase. I hear you. You're like, well, I guess there's some good reason 
before, but but the, the way it gets applied is so horrifically bad. That, yeah. No, no, no. And if you over and if you over gather your ye rosebuds, like, hey, dude, also go to class, you know, like or like head to work too, you know, like you don't want to just be grabbing grabbing rosebuds while ye may, you know. Yeah. Well, you you might think rosebuds is just. Like, <laughs> Like, just only only hedonistic activities. I don't know. I mean, it could be that you're gathering rosebuds by reading that poetry or whatever. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Uh, let's do this one last. If you ain't first, you're last. Uh, famously said by Ricky Bobby's dad. And uh, were you were you in that movie? I can't remember. I know Jack. I was. I just went to go visit Jackie while he was while he was doing it. Okay. I he, uh, it was great because uh, he had. Mr. Clark, Michael Clark Duncan had taken a, a shine to Jack. And so it was so great to see little Jack. And then Mr. Clark Duncan go like, Jack, walk me to my trailer. And he's like, I can't right now. It's like, I don't want to look like a loser, Jack. Walk me to my trailer. <laughs> and then Jack would like, Jack would like go to put his hands up of like, but I'm meeting my friends. And like, and Ian or, or Keckner would like, as Jack's going to put his hands up, grab his hands and say like, Jesus Christ, Jack! Were you taking a swing at him? And, and Mr. Mr. Clark Duggan was um, maybe the widest. Uh, you know, I haven't been around a lot of a lot of professional athletes, so like I, that, that's the only other kind of body I could imagine. Maybe the widest human being I've ever I've ever seen, just flat out from the shoulders from the shoulders out. So them ju- jumping on Jack, like Jesus Christ, you're going to take a swing at him, uh, Michael? Michael, you better leave. He's crazy when it gets like this. It was uh, so I visited him, but I didn't see it. I agree with that at about a two. Yeah, yeah, it's a stupid saying. Yeah, um, I think uh, the the widest person I think that I ever saw was John Madden. I oh mean, no, John kidding. Madden, He took up way more space uh, <laughs> than I uh, that I anticipated he would. He was he was like a cube. You know, he's not that tall, but just. To, just an enormous human being. So Summerall was just squeezed into the corner of that that booth then. <laughs> oh yeah. Well. All right, Rush. Not, um, not a big Summerall fan, but no. you know, although all right, RIP Pat Summerall, but, but you know. This uh this goes to first. I've hit you with a couple of impressionist ones. Wait so a second, is, wait a second, oh, wait a second. I, I have to I have to retract that. I don't know what I'm talking about. I like Pet Summerall. I, I like I don't know what? why I said I, I confused him oh, yeah, momentarily. <laughs> With Ken Venturi. Oh, okay, like gotcha. Okay, yeah. But but Pat Summerall is a, the guy's a prince. I don't know what I'm talking about. I love Pat <laughs> Summerall. Apologies to Pat Summerall's estate. A oh, liquor, a, a booze hound, a booze hound from way back. Everything I've ever heard about about Summerall. He liked he liked he liked a popper too. Um, yeah, I hear the most fun guy uh, is Raftery. Like, uh, oh really? It's yeah. Just like uh, he likes to drink, dude. And. If, if you, you can, go talk to him about basketball in a bar, like Bill Raftery, like people do it. To, I shouldn't say this because now people do it. I'm sure he probably hates it. But uh, uh, I've had multiple people who, um, you know, a- actually had a reason. They knew, they worked with Raftery on something and, and they're like, this guy's amazing. We went out and watched three more hours of basketball. He's just like a fanatic. He just loves it. Right. And he loves to shoot the shit. And while we were sitting there, like not five minutes would go by. Somebody would come by and like buy him a beer and, and talk to him about sports. And he just, every single one, he's like, it's just like you're his new buddy. And he just brings you in and, and gets going into the, you know, into the conversation. Every, every year in March. So it's like, you know, organize the puppies and, you know, and that kind of stuff. I still can't believe that he gets away with saying like, as they go to commercial, a big shot, you know, gutsy shot. And he just goes, 
onions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, like, he's yeah. just saying nuts. Like that's yeah. that's really like well. I mean, you're, you're that, I guess if you're that well liked, you can you can you can do something like that. <laughs> All right, so this one goes to first, Rush, and here's the situation. It's 2061, and you've had two biographies written about you. For some reason, you agree to allow a third. Um, You meet with the author, and he explains that a lot of your big firsts have already been pretty well detailed in the first two biographies. So he's got some questions about maybe less-covered firsts from your life. Cool? Yeah, I get it, and I'm crossing off my uh, my last one, so we'll do this. And oh no, is that exactly. right? I'm sorry. This, this is basically what I was. No, no, it's great. It's great. Well, maybe uh, maybe these won't be maybe these won't be like yours. So who knows? Okay. Um, he says, um, uh, Rush. I know. I know you've covered your first day, first kisses, all that kind of stuff. What was the first movie post college that you recall being really excited about? I think it was uh, I think it was the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, in terms of actually going and, and seeing it. I, I was not excited to go to it. I had read the books and I liked the books, but I, I thought the movies probably wouldn't be all that good. I wasn't like geared up for it. This was uh, I was probably a year or two out of college. I remember I went with Brendan Hunt, Joe Canale, Dave Hill, Christina Gauss, and Sarah G. I think it was a big group. Um, I never. I'm not sure I'd have met Brennan Hunt maybe once or twice. Now, one of my you know great friends, Brennan Hunt. But uh, and so Joe Canale. And if you've never been to a movie with Joe Canale, uh-huh. uh, there's a there's a wonderful yeah. moment that occurs uh, at every movie that he goes. I don't know if he still does it, but he did it for decades. Yeah, I imagine he still does it. Where he would buy the largest available popcorn, and then he comes in uh, moments before the movie's going to begin. So it's like. Right when maybe the right before the preview start, when everybody is seated, or maybe like even during a preview. I don't think it's during a preview, but it it's like the last moment that he can do it. And he walks in and he's like, "Hey guys, guys, guys!" And he's like very loudly, yelling, "Where are you?" Down at the front, and like sometimes somebody would be like, "Shut up," you know. But people are always annoyed. And then he acts like he's finally seen where the people are, and he's made everybody hate him because he's been yelling and then he walks through the aisle and trips like a, a sports mascot, uh-huh. like does an absolute face plant. <laughs> and as he falls, throws the entire popcorn up in the air and the whole theater like breaks out laughing. And it's a, it's a very well conceived bit. I love it. Joe Canale special. And, and so that was the first time I ever saw that. And that is why slapstick is number one on your yes. list. Oh my god, TJ! It made, it made me laugh so hard. I know. After but, uh, he he makes sure he got everyone's attention and everyone's ire. Yes. Yeah. So he and that's like Joe in a nutshell. Yeah. Right? Is he's like he's pushing and pulling. He's prodding. He's pissing yep. you off, and then trying to. And then with some people, he's gone too far, and he just can never yep. get back. But with the, you know, with other people, he's able to somehow keep that balance. And uh, and I mean, it's a wonderful bit. And but yeah, with this anyway, particular bit, he gets you to wish something ill on him, and then gives the ill to you. He he lets yes. you he lets you enjoy the full pain of his fall and loss of popcorn. And the satisfaction that comes both for you knowing him in there and for the strangers that don't know him yep. uh, from watching him fall and seeing that hilarious popcorn explosion trumps any frustration that you previously <laughs> had with him. So it's a great example of the push pull working, uh, working out perfectly. So, oh. yeah, but anyway, um, that movie then 
you know, uh, I mean, I, I can't even tell you how many times we watched the Lord of the Rings uh, movies in, in my uh, apartment in the in the early 2000s. I mean, dozens. Yeah. And uh, and and those movies. I was very excited to see that this coming Saturday. This will be released way after that. But uh, I think they're getting the cast back together to do something over Zoom. I heard so that. Yeah. Going. Um, all right, Rush, what was your first four digit check received for? Oh, I think. Uh, my, I remember because, um, my first several jobs, you would get paid every two weeks and they were never four digits, mm -hmm. uh, not even too close. <laughs> you know, I was making eight dollars or six dollars this because it was many years ago um and so can, can i skip it and tell you the first five digit because i definitely sure. remember my first five digit check hey i'd uh, love buddy it. buddy i'd love if you went from three to five that you didn't even stop at four you just skipped no, that no, no. skip that floor I getting, entirely I, I got fours on my for for a while uh, like for my my jobs that I was doing um, while I was improvising in, in, two, in 99 through 03. I just can't remember when the first one was. So okay. it was probably like in, in, in late 1999 or early, uh, early 2000 that, that I would get a bi monthly check, you know, that would get up uh, into four figures. But the first five figure check I ever got for sure was, um, uh, I went and auditioned at IO and, uh, it was for the degree antiperspirant people. And I did like this monologue, <laughs> this lawyer monologue I had done. And, uh, I was hired to go fly around the country and hawk the degree antiperspirant on Saturdays before college football games. And we would go and we would give like a presentation that was 10% comedy, 90% like, uh, theoretically helpful information about how to apply for jobs <laughs> oh, and it'd really? be like never let him see you sweat or whatever it was some sort of thing like that and and so that was like a, a good a really good payday really good payday it wasn't i didn't get a 10 a five-figure check but it's a really good payday and then and shag kunkel did it too and craig Euler did it the, the three of us went and flew around and i mean i i never got a gig like that that was more fun than that especially for a college football fan because if I could get rid of all the stuff, then I could go to the games and it was a blast. But they then hired me to host. Um, they they were just releasing. Uh, God, what Axe Body Spray? Oh, no, no one had, no one had heard of it. They were doing the world premiere of it, and um, and they hired me to MC. And it was a it was a disaster. Like I did a terrible job. I didn't. I, it was never clear to me what I was supposed to be doing. And I was really off put by the whole thing. Like you got there and there were all these women, like very attractive, scantily dressed women who were picketing outside and oh. who, were, who were saying men are too sexy with Axe body spray. Oh, okay. And I gotcha. was just like, I was like, this sucks. Like this whole thing is a mess, you know, but, but a bigger problem was I didn't know what they wanted me to do. And they had all these acts and it was all of their um, salespeople, like their key salespeople were going to be there and we were introducing the product to them, telling them how to go sell it. And I was supposed to do some comedy bits like in between and just keep the process moving. Stand up or like stand up bits or customized for the night or just like. No, like like just emceeing it. Right. Like react to what previously okay. occurred, you know, 
Uh, yeah, a little bit of stand up in the sense of like have some have like a ten minute thing prepared, oh, okay. but you're not going to do ten minutes. You you might do off and on for one minute here and there, but they just needed something to not have dead air while the next speech would get ready to go. And and I mean it was it was a it was a mess. Um, no scripting, no practice, whatever. Like I got there and I did it for um, for four hours, and I got ten thousand dollars. Wow for four hours. And I was like, I mean, I had never seen any, anything like that. I mean, it was amazing. But if you're uh, going to bite it, getting 25 hundo per hour is, is, is a chunk of coin. Oh my God. And I was like, I will do this as many times, <laughs> but, but they didn't, they didn't need me, you know? And, and they, and they started like, I did like a three minute block and then I was supposed to keep doing like two, three minute thing. It, it's a little like hosting the Oscars, right? Like you just come out and then you have a little like banter yeah. and stuff. And then they just started cutting those bits. They're like, we don't need it. You know, <laughs> Hey, nothing against you, but they don't like you. And we gotta, we, they, we gotta like just move along. They realized Axe body spray didn't make guys that hot. So like the, the hot lady picketers went away a lot of, yeah, uh, a lot of just kind of all fell apart. Like It was all, it was all like a, a mess, but then Axe body spray, like, did incredibly i mean it did incredibly well for a long time so thanks to you uh so that thanks was, to you that was the thing that i, I saw i saw before, yeah, there you go uh, right anybody else i never got and still don't get <laughs> yeah. don't understand uh rush what was the first time you broke something in anger uh i, I broke a lot of video game controllers okay um from the ages of seven to probably 27 so, um, slamming them down, throwing them down on the floor, or just like actual stomp up, tried to break them or just out of anger, threw them and they smashed, uh, the, the, th- threw them did, wasn't intending to break okay. them, uh, through it. I remember a game called RC Pro-Am. I broke probably two controllers. That was the most frustrating game still to this day that I've ever played. There was like one board that you just, in the computer would rubber band, you know what they call rubber banding in video games, like in Mario Kart, where whoever's behind gets better stuff to catch up. So they, they call uh, it rubber band philosophy. You're, you're moving more quickly if you're in the, in the back. Okay. And, uh, in RC Pro-Am, they had this one board that you just, oh my God, I could not get past it. And I would play like 40 minutes and then get to that and then, and then lose all five minutes and then break a controller. <laughs> uh, Rush, what was the inspiration for your first attempt at a poem? I don't know that I've ever attempted a poem. Okay, nice. Um, I've done some. I've done some parodies. <laughs> okay, uh, I've done some parodies. So one so of the I lowest forms of comedy, poem parody. You know, that's yeah. yeah that's not not we not given to, the respect it should. <laughs> we used to memorize poems all the time. That was a big thing. Connie Howell. Uh, so the the Wright. That's my mom's maiden name. Her, the Wright family was big on. Uh, you needed to memorize poems and then, and then they, like Christmas and other uh, family party gatherings, like the young kids would go up there and recite poetry. So huh. uh, I did that many times. If was the, probably the most popular one. That's a great one. Uh, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with a full 60 seconds run, that one. Yeah. Yeah. A real, a real yeah. stoic portrait of what it means to be, means to be a man. You know, you go by that one. You don't come up with kids really in touch with their emotions. I know I, I can tell you that. Well, you want to talk about an unrealistic <laughs> set of goals. I mean, let's just, re- uh, sorry for the sidetrack, but uh, let's just do this real quickly. Um, Cause 
yeah, I've, I've, I think I still have it memorized, but it's if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, okay? Tough, but okay. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. Not uh, easy. I, I don't even <laughs> totally understand that, right? Like if you trust in yourself or you're not trusting yourself, seems like you're already <laughs> basically impossible. If you can wait and not be tired of waiting, fair enough. Or being lied about, don't deal in lies. Tough. Or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. I mean, already very, very <laughs> difficult. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, what 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 the hell are we talking about? <laughs> now now we've can, delved into impossible. <laughs> yeah, that's impossible. And then if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters yeah, both just the same, the same yeah. <laughs> no. Like Triumph and disaster, you know, okay. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, that doesn't seem great. Like, why should we Why should we just let that occur? Or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools. That is a pretty good thing to say. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss, my dad hated that. Good Lord, I was going to say, so like, much. don't plan on having a marriage or anyone rely on you at at at, at any point, because uh, is that that's what gets you kicked out of the house and don't ever come back, and you're not a, a father to my child anymore. You- <laughs> right? There, there's just there's nobody should live by the look at any point in time. Yeah. you ought to be able to take all of your material possessions and. and Flip a coin for uh, yeah, it. Yeah, if, yeah, a little if pitch you and toss. You're not living right, <laughs> and 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 lose and start at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. Well, you should have done that. Good lord. Uh, let me. I won't do everyone, but there's just some amazing stuff in here. Um, if you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, and walk with kings, or lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, what the hell is that? <laughs> like, so that's your point, right? Like the ridiculously stoic yeah, uh, like, point, you know. But but it always wins me over by the end if I remember it right. Then it's if you can fill the unforgiving minute with a full sixty seconds run, then yours is the world and all that's in it. And what's more, you'll be a man, my son. Right, and but that's the one that, that's the most absurd, which yeah. is it, that you 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 said carpe diem, like gather your rosebuds <laughs> is too too aggressive. <laughs> fill the minute. With 60 seconds worth of distance run, like every minute, like give me a break. I mean, Roger, he's putting you, he's putting you to the test. Uh, no one, no one can go all out for more than like yeah. three hours a day. That's a tough dad. I mean, if, if that's the checklist of of criteria, you must you must hit to be a man yeah. or his son. Rough. You're not making it. You're coming up short. Yeah, there's, there's no men. But yeah, that was that was life in colonial England. You know, that's that was it. (laughs) Imperial, imperial England. Rush, um, last uh, last one was what was the first time you remember feeling empathy for someone else's embarrassment? Um, in second grade. In second grade, I remember um, having like a shift in that. Uh, where I started to understand better, like you got to care about what's happening to other people too. Okay. Um, because I remember um, there was a kid uh, in our class who I who was he was very hyper and difficult, and I didn't like him very much. And then he had like a he had a really really embarrassing incident. Uh, um, 
where I, well, I, I mean, I'm not gonna say his name, so it don't matter. So this kid just uh, wet himself like uh, very badly in second uh, grade, and um, a lot of people were making fun of him. And I I remember the I remember the teacher like being very upset that people were giving him a hard time because also this this kid had a variety of issues mm-hmm. and um and I just remember thinking like oh this is horrible I feel very bad for him I wish that this hadn't happened I'm not taking any like pleasure in it right and um and then uh another kid came up to me on the playground to make fun of that that thing and I remember I remember thinking, oh, I ought not, I ought not like engage in making fun of that because I, I felt bad when, when that was happening and I wouldn't want people to be saying that, you know, about me as well. You could have gone full on Um, Spartacus and peed your pants, you know? Yeah. Right. Right. Do the Billy Madison. (laughs) I, I, I look, I was not like anywhere close to. And it wasn't like I didn't do anything good. I right. Didn't you just, in any way stand up for him. I didn't do anything laudable at all. You just I felt just, it. I had that. I did have that feeling. Yeah. And then later, later I would, um, you know, perhaps, uh, I don't know if it was Kismet or what, but in that same year, uh, this girl um, who, who turned out to be a great soccer player, unfortunately for me, um, <laughs> She had just learned that, like, if you kick boys in the groin, oh, gotcha. that hurts them more than girls. And she kicked me as hard as she could, and uh, and she like she didn't get a clean shot. It was so it was worse. She got like a uh, nick, and I had to go to the hospital. Oh no, shit! Yeah, and uh, and I remember like as I was like doubled over, you know, crying and in, in pain. I mean, it was it was horrific. Like, still to this day, I've never had. I, probably anything that was that painful. Um, and, uh, I, I just, you know, there were people like standing over me and some people were like, Oh, I hope you're okay. And some people were laughing and you know, it was, it was fairly funny. <laughs> you look up and, and one of the people like, laughing is the kid who had his pants. Like, <laughs> yeah. well, but I remember thinking about that and thinking, you know, it's not so funny right. when you're the one <laughs> down on the ground, uh, having just been absolutely clobbered. <laughs> In the, in the groin by uh, by a future college soccer player. So since I I, it sounds like I destroyed your your situation. We you want to go back to the yeah. top? All right, let's come back to the top. <laughs> so um, here's the situation, Rush, and I'll try and describe it a little bit better. But if if you could choose um, or describe a book or film that you believe gave the best impression of what it was trying to convey, and what came to my my mind was like I was able to watch about. 20 minutes of Das Boot, and I felt like I was suffocating. It felt like it, it did too good job of conveying the impression of being on an overcrowded um, submarine. Um, so, like, can you think of something that you saw or read that you thought perfectly conveyed, you know, a claustrophobic situation, a troubled marriage, a, a season of baseball, the feeling of war, you know, to your best, to your best guess, where you're like, man, I think that did that better than just about anything has done that that kind of thing uh great question i i'll give you a, a few examples that just jumped to mind uh train spotting um uh, uh yeah that that movie i mean i've never done heroin but but that movie 
gave me a feeling of what it would feel like to a come out of that and be like, just, just live in that culture, which was really helpful because I was like, Oh, I never, ever, ever, I was, I was so, t- I was so turned off by that movie. Uh, but I thought it did a really good job. Um, the, the, uh, the first, whatever, 15, 20 minutes of saving private Ryan, uh-huh. certainly incredibly powerful. Yeah. You know, the rest of that movie just to me kind of doesn't hold up as much as a movie in part, because, Oh my God, the first part is so powerful. Solely the sound. You know, like just almost just if I think if you had your eyes closed, you would still be like, Jesus Christ, stop this. This is madness. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so, so those, um, those come to mind. Um, trying to think for like a book that just nails it atmospherically. Um, I always talk about remains of the day being like one of my one or two favorite books of all time. And to me, like some, somehow that book, it's only, you know, a couple hundred pages and you're, it's dealing with a thing that's like so subtle and like nuanced. Right. And yet like it just pulls you into that world and and is able to, is able to make you understand those emotions, even if they're not like, you know, kind of all that common right. uh, for everybody, or maybe they are, I don't even know, but like that, that, that book, the narrative prose in that is just incredible. Um, is that Forrester? Is that who, who wrote that or? No, it's Ishiguru. Oh, okay. Uh, but, but, but I think Forrester is interesting. Cause like, I do think that, Maybe there's some somewhat parallel. Like, I mean, I think Howard's End is one of the best written books I've ever read. Okay. Um, and maybe the style's not all that. Maybe there's some similarity. Um, but Ishiguru, for me, like he 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 sets tone better than anybody for me. I just okay. I, I love his stuff. Like, I, I love the book that he wrote called The Buried Giant. I think it was what it was called that, that most people hated because it was like it's like a fairy tale um, and it's written like a fairy tale. So it seems almost too simple and too straightforward. And, and yet it's like, I mean, it just, it just pulls you in in, in such an interesting way. And the book is about like a fog that causes you to lose memories. And um, even the way it's written, I just, I mean, the guy, that guy like blows me away with his ability to do exact. I, I think of what you're, what you're describing. Yeah. I don't know. What do you, what are someone's? I don't know. It's like, I, you know, I've heard people say, I've, I've heard political people say that the, the, the show that deals with politics that best conveys what politics is like is not like House of Cards or, you know, the West Wing or whatever. It's, it's Veep. Veep is the one that gets to the uh, insecurity, you know, like, and, and I've heard people say like Bull Durham, you know, it might be the closest depiction of like minor, li- what minor league ball is, is, is actually like Das Boot was definitely one that, that came to mind. Um, immediately. I don't know if this is the impression I was supposed to get, but I went back and reread Catcher in the Rye a few years ago, maybe more than a few years ago now, and I felt like I was losing my mind reading it. Um, and and I, I I I think partially that's the impression I was supposed to get of someone kind of on the edge of of you know their their grips with uh with their with their own their own um uh brain at that point. 
Um, Clockwork, Clockwork Orange does that as well. Yeah, I mean, that that definitely gets across. You know what? I watched um, I I watched it too young, at like three in the morning, up by myself. But if Blue Velvet was designed to creep to creep you out, boy, it did that. It it, it yeah. did that really well. Um, I, I thought I was going to be dead before morning, and I and I don't think it was supposed to make you feel quite like that. But boy, did that get it across. Um, yeah, I, I could I couldn't make it three minutes through that. I just was like, oh, I don't like this. this yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm trying to think. You, you know, like the the I, what do I know? But the the police scenes in the wire, you know, just uh-huh. kind of way it all operates. Um, and then everything. I mean, almost everything about the wire felt super real. Right. It was part of what was so great about it. Then you had the kind of game of Thrones character of like Omar, um, who probably had some grounding in reality, but uh-huh. they basically turned into a cartoon <laughs> character and we all loved it anyway. All right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I don't, I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm always, I'm more about my favorite movies and stuff. It's more about story, um, than it is necessarily about like creating like, that strong like cinematography around f- making you feel that you're truly like in that world. But here's uh, one I just but, thought of that now. Doesn't mean it's not impressive when I see it. When I first saw the original Blade Runner, I felt like that did a great job of of placing you in this kind of like dour this this dour future where it was always raining, but you were always bombarded with like neon light, and and I felt like that really that conveyed that that kind of noirish future really, really well. Um, and the, the pacing and stuff, it was, it was really deliberate, but I didn't mind it. It felt, I felt like I was kind of, that got across that world in a, in a really, in a really strong way. Wow. Um, see, I, that's interesting. Cause Blade Runner is a movie. I didn't see it until probably five years ago. Um, and I, I just, I, I didn't care for it at all because it was too slow. I mean, it is in, 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 glacially paced uh-huh. move and it is all about atmospherics um and i i agree it's it's well crafted right like you feel overwhelmed right you feel um it it, it yeah like mad max was a good one in uh-huh. that regard too yep. a little bit with the uh the, the recent one with uh uh charlie's there on and uh tom hardy yeah but i don't know it, it, could go on all day on those, and uh, I'm, I'm sure maybe some uh, of our listeners, TJ, will, <laughs> hey, uh, you got and, it. Uh, might might give us some suggestions. We're only going to hear from readers now. We're only going to hear from people yeah. who read transcripts of this. What what podcast do you think best gives the impression of like hypotheticals and stuff like that? I would say here's the situation. I would too, man. And I, and and in that spirit, we would have to thank Nate for helping us out with that, and Julie and emily and thank you guys um please keep um firing your situations at us and we'll we'll hope to use them and you can find that uh or do that through here's the situation podcast at gmail.com uh we hope you are healthy and well and uh and that we will find you back here next week thank you very much guys